Welcome to Heavy Networking, the flagship podcast of the Packet Pushers Podcast Network, published weekly since May 2010. If you're a network engineer, network architect, or otherwise a pusher of packets, we make this show for you. On to today's topic. If the last time you designed a security solution for your company was all about perimeter firewalls and issuing VPN clients to your users... Yeah, everything's different now. At least it should be because the legacy model of firewalls at key points and VPN clients to provide remote users secure access to your precious applications does not map to the way the world works anymore. The current problem is providing secure connectivity to users that are anywhere accessing applications that are anywhere. Several different security tools are used to solve this problem as different techniques are required depending on where your user is coming from and where the app they are trying to get at is located. And I'm going to I'm going to spare you the acronym soup for now because we're going to get into it with our sponsor Fortinet. Fortinet is a security vendor that most of you have heard of, but if all you think of when you hear the name Fortinet is firewalls, well, yeah, but you should be thinking more broadly. Today, we're going to go after the work from anywhere challenge with Fortinet's zero trust network access and secure access service edge tech, all of which is baked into FortiOS. If you're running a FortiGate, you've got these capabilities already, whether you're using them or not. Joining us for the discussion today are Alex Samanti, field CTO and VP of product development, and Peter Newton, senior director of products. Peter, I'm going to send the first question to you because I got into a lot of stuff there in the intro, but uh, but ZTNA, Zero Trust Network Access, was uh, was the key word there, the key term and topic that we want to start this podcast with. And we got to define it because, <laughs> Peter, it's already being like marketing washed where everybody's got zero trust something or another. So we got to define for the purposes of this show how Fortinet sees ZTNA, what it means to you. As you say, the whole zero trust moniker is really overused and it gets applied to a lot of things. A ZTNA, or uh, what the acronym stands for, is zero trust network access is referring to just an element of zero trust. And it's really applying zero trust principles to accessing applications. Uh, so that's uh, in a nutshell what ZTNA is about. Uh, it's really addressing that use case of connecting users to applications and doing so with zero trust principles. And as you say, zero trust principles, the big thing there is uh, NIST has defined zero trust very broadly as it applies to computing all up and down the stack. Zero trust network access, ZTNA, is one component of a very broad ZT, zero trust um, endeavor that a company might be taking on, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the federal, many people have now recognized the importance of using those zero trust principles in the overall architecture and design of your network. Uh, and the principles, you know, at a high level are simply to, instead of looking at your network and trying to create a defensive system around your network with a hard perimeter, recognizing the very things you were calling out in the intro about how people are now working in all different locations and applications are being provided from all different locations, that really it's not about the network that you're trying to protect. Really, the, your focus needs to be on what are the resources you're trying to protect? And then how do you ensure that all the people and devices that need to access those resources should have access to those resources. So zero trust is about, you know, identifying uh, your, in this case for ZTNA, the, the various applications that you want to control and then enabling the users and the user associated devices to get access to those uh, applications only after you have verified 
that you know the user should have access to that application, that uh, the device is in an acceptable posture. So there's a variety of checks to make sure that that you know per your policy, those are the types of users and devices that should get access to that application. And then to verify that on a continuous basis. That's part of the the whole zero trust mm-hmm. uh, framework. Is is it's uh, instead of implicit trust, you only want explicit trust. So only after you've verified and then continue to verify that that access should remain in place. I like to think of zero trust as things that you definitely don't want accessing your network. That is, you literally trust nobody. And zero trust is more than just saying, yes, you're permitted, come in through the door and when they can go in and trash the house. Zero trust is about you're not allowed, you're allowed in, but you're only allowed into these rooms. We're getting into the idea of micro-segmentation and continuous validation. So it's it's much more than just authentication, which was a mistake I made in the early days. Yeah. And it's That's- not just about users, you know, being allowed into a room. It's users under certain conditions, because maybe, you know, if you've just come home late and, you know, all you need to do is go to bed, the only thing you're going to do is go to your bedroom. But maybe you shouldn't go to your kitchen, you shouldn't go to your garage, you shouldn't start some new project, you know, that you've been doing. So there are definitely conditions in which the even the user who was authenticated will have at various times, depending on their posture. Now, I could argue that this feels an awful lot like VPN in that I don't know, 10 years ago, I could take a firewall and I could stand up a VPN termination service on it. My clients could come in and I could have some kind of posture assessment functionality on there. That feels like what we're talking about, but there's some key differences here, right? Yeah, fundamentally, VPNs are about uh, making connections to a firewall, to the edge of the network. Uh, And really, ZTNA is much more operating at the application level. Uh, Really, I think it's actually one of the worst names uh, that we've come across because it's it's zero trust network access. But really, it has nothing to do with the network. It actually takes the network out of it. It should should have been named zero trust application access. So as VPN is very network focused and that getting that connectivity, ZTNA is really focused on in for the given application, making sure the the appropriate folks uh, are accessing it. You're sort of moving from the VPN, IPSEC happens at layer three, you know, the IP. If you're doing SSL VPNs, that happens at layer four, TCP or UDP. But mm-hmm. really, zero trust is much further up than this, you know, it's layer six or seven in the session or the application layer. So you've got much more granularity. You're not just blocking by IP address or port number, you're actually saying this application, this certificate, this, you know, much more sophisticated. Exactly in the in the sense that it is layer seven and above where you are using the capabilities within the the firewall that are now more advanced. So obviously application mm-hmm. identification, um, looking deeply into the flow in order to identify whether things are good or bad, and then making decisions based on that. Those were things that VPN did not have inherent to, you know, IPsec itself. But, Mm. you know, depending on the platform that the VPN is landing into, you could do some of those things, but it was very complicated. And that was actually one of the big challenges with VPN is most people, because it is complicated, they just allow access to everywhere once somebody is VPNed in. They figure that is good enough. Mm doing some authentication, I have some encryption, and therefore they can reach anywhere in the network. And that that problem of that kind of trust was something we as consumers have created for ourselves. And ZTNA really makes us rethink that and, and apply correct security principles for the resources we're trying to protect. Right. And so this touches on the Fortinet idea of a unified fabric 
where all parts of your products actually sort of become a unified element. And because you had the firewalls that were doing application inspection, it's really easy to do zero trust for you to or to build that feature in because you're already doing application inspection at the firewall level with security. So it, it wasn't a huge step for you to move into ZTNA compared to other companies. Well, we certainly were able to leverage some of the capabilities we had mm -hmm. inherent in our firewalls, that application awareness. Uh, but, you know, a VPN, when someone authenticates a VPN, it's usually a, uh, a one-time authentication, and then we allow them on. Mm -hmm. you, we did have to develop certain capabilities because with ZTNA, you're doing continuous evaluation. So mm -hmm. that if a posture uh, of a device changes, if the user behavior indicates that, you know, perhaps this person is operating in a risky manner or perhaps are operating in a manner that might not be them, but someone using their uh, authentication, you can actively break that session and, and VPN doesn't do that. It's much more stateful. So, you know, once we've done that check, they're allowed in. So when a user wants to connect then, it sounds like there's got to be a client component here if I'm doing regular posture assessment and making sure that every flow is one that should be allowed because things are consistent and the client is in approved state. There's got to be a client there, which again, going back to it's not VPN, but it kind of feels like VPN. Is there What's the user experience like? Yes, our uh, architecture for ZTNA is a client-initiated architecture, and we do have a client. And you know, for us, the VPN client is also our ZTNA client because we've put it into a single unified agent there. And that really makes it look and actually feel like ZTNA. Uh, and that makes our VPN and ZTNA look very similar. It's not a... Uh, you know, complete forklift change of your network or how things are accessed. We're able to reach into different elements of the agent and different elements of the firewall uh, to create a ZTNA connection that architecturally, you could say, feels or seems similar to what you've been doing with VPN, but it really makes the transition over to ZTNA uh, much easier. Yeah, and I was digging through one of your white papers preparing for this podcast. Um, another element of this here is the user doesn't actually have to log in. There is authentication that's happening there, but the user doesn't have to log in. They double click uh, for the application that they want to go to, and the ZTNA client kicks in, does all of the authentication and security magic behind the scenes, really transparent to the user, and then assuming that all the checks are passed, they now have application access. Did I get that about right? With single sign-on is supported. So as long as they have authenticated and they're within that window, they don't have to authenticate again in the in the way that with VPN, you'd you know log into your VPN, you'd sign into that, then you'd go launch your application and log into your application. Uh, with ZTNA, it's actually it is a much better user experience where you the user can just launch the application and all of that uh, authentication, verification, you know, there's a whole long list of things that are being checked but it's being done transparently. The user doesn't see it. They simply mm -hmm. just get on with their work. And, and there's a different fundamental vibe to this thing in that typically we think of VPN as a remote thing, but if I'm in the office, I could still be using the ZTNA client, right? That's actually a huge difference between VPN and ZTNA in that VPN is a remote access, whereas ZTNA, due to the fact that we're now trying to protect applications anywhere and users anywhere, we are applying these granular zero trust access controls, even when someone is in the office. In fact, we're, we create a, a secure tunnel, an encrypted tunnel between a user 
and the ZTNA application gateway, even when they're in headquarters, uh, because mm-hmm. in true zero trust fashion, we don't trust that network either. We don't trust any networks. We want to make sure that the user and their device get access only to the appropriate applications that they should have access to. Now, that's really interesting because a lot of companies are actually building campus networks and focusing on you know, security in the network and, and building overlay networks in the campus like we've seen in the data center. But another way to do this is to do what you're saying and just create a campus network, which is an access network, perhaps even in the more traditional. But you can then just use ZTNA and the tunnels created from that directly from the workstation. And you don't need to go to that overhaul, all that spending on overlay networks in the campus that only happens in a couple of locations. It doesn't solve the branch networking or the working from home or the working in a coffee shop or going to a conference type stuff, which ZTNA does. Very true. Very true. Mm. In some of those cases, you still may need some of that connectivity because ZTNA is is primarily focused on end users and not necessarily machine to machine communication. In those cases, you might still need uh, an overlay VPN uh, in order to have connectivity, but you do not have to go after the general case where I'm trying to provide all connectivity for all things encompassed in that overlay network. Mm. Actually, that is an interesting question. So if I'm on site, I'm using ZTNA, I'm the user consuming an application, what do I actually connect to? Is my ZTNA client actually form a tunnel as if I were remote to a firewall that's kind of acting as a proxy to get me to my application? Or is some something else going on there to perform inspection and enforcement? <laughs> You would be connect, creating a tunnel and it would connect to one of our ZTNA application gateways. And that gateway could be, it could exist in the FortiGate that's your perimeter firewall, or it could be making that connection to say a virtual machine FortiGate that might be up in AWS or Azure, or it could be connecting to a FortiGate that's over in your data center in a colo uh, somewhere. Um, we make the connection to the uh, ZTA application gateway that's closest to the application. Uh, and that's where the enforcement uh, and policy takes place. So you could have that encrypted tunnel that's passing through your internal network and then out to the, the broader internet uh, as you get to the, uh, the whatever enforcement point is relevant for that particular application. So I, I just rolled out a whole bunch of FortiGates out there and the ZTNA client will intelligently know, well, does it what does it do? Is it just kind of a DNS round robin thing? Or is there some kind of policy directive that guides it to know I should be terminating the connection on this particular application gateway? Yeah, good question. Because with all these different devices that can have our ZTNA app gateway, we, we put it on gates. We've now put it in our WAF and our, our put it in an ADC. We put it in our PAM product. Um, all of these things are actually coordinated uh, in their ZTNA policies through our endpoint management system or EMS. And that's the the same product that we use to deploy that client to configure it. Uh, so in the same way that the you know folks who are managing the endpoints um, and then the VPN network would be deploying out the, the VPN client or our Forta client, they would then also uh, enable the ZTNA policies. And then that system actually goes out and talks to all those ZTNA application gateways and notifying the the clients on hey for this application you connect to this gateway for this application you connect to this gateway and then maybe if you're in a, you know in this area and you're accessing the application you connect to that gateway instead so it's you know location uh, aware 
and it's uh, also knows where uh, all the applications are located so that you can get a, a DNS redirect to the right uh, spot. Then as a network architect, my job is going to be making sure I've got enough uh, FortiGate application gateways out there that can handle load and that are positioned in a way that we're going to get good application performance for the users. Yeah, the good news is uh, with the all the power that we have in our FortiGates, if you have your FortiGates are already purchased and deployed to support the workforce as it is, the ZTNA is not a, a significant uh, additional load that would require an, an upgrade. Now, if you don't have uh, FortiGates deployed, you can also deploy uh, our FortiGates in in just the that ZTNA app gateway mode. So you can actually buy a, a you know a downscaled FortiGate, so to speak, run it just to be that ZTNA application gateway and put it behind uh, firewalls from another company. Uh, and you can still get the benefits of Fortinet ZTNA for those areas that you don't have FortiGates. Oh, okay. Well, you know, one piece of inspection that I'm still not clear on where it's happening is the uh, the user entity behavior analytics, the, the, the UEBA component of this, where we're making sure that the user is, as they're talking to the application, you talked about continuously validating that they should be uh, talking. Where does that inspection and enforcement happen? We're actually ingesting that information from the broader security fabric. Uh, as you mentioned, Fortinet does believe in a platform approach to cybersecurity. Uh, and a part of that comes from our ability to bring in feeds from other uh, products and other devices. For our ZTNA user uh, behavior, we actually have user risk scoring, where we look at various behaviors and, and then you can apply uh, certain risk factors to that. And when a user exceeds uh, the threshold, then that session will be terminated and will force a, a re-authentication, re-verification. The information to make that determination is can come from a couple locations. It comes from our uh, EDR product, Fortis EDR, uh, as well as of our Fortisim product. Now, Fortisim, that ingests information from across the security fabric and across many third-party products. So really, uh, we can pick up information from a vast uh, number of monitoring solutions that can then watch that behavior, you know, detect if we see large file downloads, detect if we see uh, simultaneous logins from, say, London and New York, both of which might be approved locations. But, you know, seeing them happen at the same time, like that's a behavior that, you know, doesn't sound right. We need to uh, flag that and stop the connection and, and re-authenticate. So we can pull information from a whole host of, of uh, devices to really monitor user behavior. But the user behavior that you're monitoring is is network behavior. Is that fair to say? As opposed to there's a client that sits on the machine and it's constantly scanning for malware and, uh, you know, that kind of the old school uh, antivirus approach. So the important part about where some of these posture checks come from. So when we talked about like the original admission control, that information was being looked at and assessed by the Forta client. Just one source of information that we can gather about the client and other things on the network when giving them access. Uh, when coming from other sources, so let's just say it's Forti EDR or FortiSim uh, giving us other information, we can create these tags that um, enhance that information to allow us to say in the policy that not only does the client need to pass some kind of posture check that is happening on the client, we also need to get verification from EDR and SIM that other things are correct as well. And so we can create policies around the application using that enhanced information to allow or disallow um, access to those applications. 
Got it. Okay. So the client has a role to play. The network traffic that's being inspected has a role to play. And then all of that is used together based on whatever the policy settings are to make a determination that this client is or is not in compliance and can continue to talk through through the ZTNA application gateway to the app. Sounds like we need to offer you a job. You got it. <laughs> uh, so there's multiple components to this solution. Got it. We've got the Ford client that sits on the on the client. Um, actually, let's park there for a second. So, what kind of clients are we talking about? Uh, Windows and Mac OS, and you know, walk us through the clients that are supported. Uh, we sort a variety of operating systems, uh, Windows, uh, uh, Mac, and, and Linux, uh, and we're rolling out support for mobile as well. So, you know, for whatever device that an end user would likely use to access an application and work on it, uh, we can provide the, the zero trust coverage. Okay, so here comes the big question. There's all this IoT stuff I got out there that I can't load a Forta client on. What do I do about those? Well, that's actually a great question, and it does come up uh, frequently in our whole zero trust uh, solution area. ZTNA, remember, it's targeting users accessing applications. It's not devices, non-user associated devices, which are your IoT stuff. IoT stuff still needs to have zero trust policies apply to them. Uh, you still want to make sure that you're authenticating what they are, who they are, and then only granting them access uh, to whatever network resource they need. We do that with our NAC product, innovatively named FortiNAC, uh, that can go out and discover these things because, you know, you one, as you point out, they're not going to have a client loaded on them. Many of them can't take clients, uh, but also many of them just show up on networks without the, the IT or security organizations being informed. Uh, so you still need a NAC uh, capability to safeguard your home network, uh, you know, the networks that you own and to protect uh, against those devices that might be uh, deployed on them. So that's where a NAC can go out, discover these things, identify them, and then apply that network micro-segmentation so they get just enough network access to, to perform their function. So, you know, say if it's an HVAC controller, it's going to have the connectivity to talk to its you know, controlling server, whether that's on-prem or on the internet. It's not going to have the connectivity to go to a customer record. Uh, and all that can be just policy-based, so it's not uh, a manual administration. If you know something gets unplugged and replugged, moved, um, that policy can follow that device anywhere in the network. But you know that is a network-level uh, zero trust control. That's really what you need. What we're talking about IoT devices, we're talking about your your home network, which is different from ZTNA, which is really user based and follows the user wherever they are uh, as they go to access applications. And also in true zero trust fashion, Fortinac is doing continuous verification that that HVAC controller still is an HVAC controller, not somebody has, you know, can't come in and assumed its IP or tried to, you know, fake its MAC address or anything like that. Uh, Fortinac is doing a lot of continuous verification to make sure that a device as identified still is that device. So you can still have the assurance that the policies that you have for that device are still valid. And the big key to success here for this, this component of things, uh, walling off these IOT devices that you can't run a client on is having proper network segmentation because in order you've got, you've got to have the, the network 
doing the compliance. So you've got to have a device that's sitting in between the IoT boxes and whatever resource they're trying to gain access to. You know, without that, you don't have a way to do enforcement. Am I understanding that right? That is true. But one of the special things that we can do with our Fortinac product is be that policy engine and interface with, we support uh, networking products, you know, the switches, routers, access points uh, from more than 170 vendors. So we think we're up to 3000 different uh, networking models now that we can talk to. Uh, and we do that both for the discovery uh, of those devices. So we have visibility to the network, but then we can go back and actually configure those devices so that we can keep those IoT devices into a narrow segment and enable that microsegmentation that you rightly identify as part of a zero trust solution. But that's okay. something that, you know, only because we've invested 20 plus years of supporting every single Cisco switch that they've made and, and every single HP switch and every single extreme switch and, and access point and, and all those things. And, um, that we're able to enforce those microsegmentation uh, in a policy-based manner and not, you know, overburdening the IT team to have to be tracking these things down and coordinating it. Got it. I could put the policy on the NAC and the NAC would have the, you set up the ability for it to write to the Cisco switch, some kind of an ACL mm -hmm. that's going to enforce the microsegmentation policy there. Got yeah. It. And we use ACL, CLI, SNMP. Um, we even have done custom coding uh, in order to talk to some of these things. You wouldn't know it, but the missed uh, uh, access points from Juniper doesn't have SNMP, ACL, any of that stuff. So um, you have to be creative on how you're going to get information out and then be able to configure those things. Oh, well, this will give you the API all day, though. So I'm, sure, I'm assuming that's what you <laughs> ended up doing. So. Okay. Uh, so IOT was kind of like one exception to the, you know, more straightforward how you do this with the Forta client. Um, related to this though is, is cloud. If I've got a bunch of applications on-prem that I'm protecting and I know exactly where my FortiGate and other enforcement points are, that's straightforward enough. But when I'm accessing something in the cloud, it becomes less obvious to me how I'm doing my enforcement. Can you explain that? Well, we should designate, are we talking about doing it in a accessing a private application of public cloud, or if we're talking about accessing uh, SASE, which is, you know, a cloud hosted app application. Well, let's, let's start with, uh, with, with something, um, something we own that is in the public cloud, like uh, an AWS VPC that is, you know, mm -hmm. my own. Let's start with that. Yeah. So, you know, certainly when you're deploying applications to a public cloud, there is a shared responsibility for security. And we absolutely recommend having a firewall uh, or having some protection beyond what AWS or Azure would provide to you. So and that's just standard operating procedure. Now, assuming that that is, you know, good cyber hygiene is being followed, you already have a ZTNA application gateway right in front of that application. So the enforcement point is happening right there in AWS, in Azure. Um, so when a user goes to access those, whether they're at home or in the office, that ZTNA tunnel will actually reach out to connect to that local ZTNA application gateway to go through those enforcement checks, those policy checks prior to granting access. That is, there's a, there's a Fortinet application gateway uh, uh, that I've spun up in my VPC that's sitting there as a, as a point of termination that can act as my enforcement point? Well, it could, it would be a FortiGate and the, that application gateway sits within the FortiGate. 
Uh, or as I mentioned, it, maybe you're using uh, our Forta Web, our WAF, our Web Application Firewall, or even our uh, Forta ADC. Uh, all of those things could be, uh, all of things host a, a ZTNA application gateway and can provide those checks and authentications. Same architecture as on-prem, all good. Um, then let's move over to to a SaaS application. What does that look like? Well, the SaaS application, uh, we'd be doing a bit more of a forward proxy uh, and you can control access to that SaaS application. Say you're in campus, uh, you're going through a perimeter FortiGate that's located on campus and reaching out to, I don't know, Microsoft 365 Salesforce. And then you can actually apply those ZTNA checks there at the perimeter and, and more of a forward proxy uh, type role. Alternatively, we also provide uh, our firewall, the FortiGate as a service through our FortiSassy offering. Uh, and a user could connect to one of our, our POPs for FortiSassy and the, the ZTNA checks could happen there before forwarding the user onto that SaaS application. So we can do it either way. Okay, so okay, you've mentioned you mentioned Fortisassi, um, you mentioned Sassy a few times. We need we need to get there because that is the next big part of this conversation. But one question about ZTNA first we've, with this functionality, my understanding is that it's included in the license. If I've got a Fortigate already, ZTNA is there. Is that is that correct? Yes. You know, one of the things that you, we've been talking about. Fortinet's ZTNA solution, and notice notice we've never called it Forta ZTNA, and that's because for us, you know, ZTNA is not a product. It's simply a feature that's part of our platform. We are firm believers in the, the zero trust concept and that that should be just part of your cybersecurity solution. And so we've included it in our FortiGates. It's included in FortiClient. There's no additional cost or license. If no license, these- hang on, let's just say, let's just check that. Like, you serious? It's just there. Customers can use it. If you've got a Forti network and a unified fabric and all that sort of stuff. I don't have to go and beg for a, a, a secret magic code to make it work. Exactly. All you have to do is up, update your FortiGate into our 7.0 firmware. We're now up at mm-hmm. 7.2. We've just released that. So it's mm-hmm. been out for a while now. Uh, but yeah. yeah, just update it. And those capabilities are there available to you. There's no additional cost for that. If I wanted to quickly whip up a POC, can I get a virtual version of the 40 gate and then run up some tests against that to see what that would look like? So if, before I went into that project, could I build up some confidence? Yeah. I don't know of anyone who's done uh, deployed our ZTNA or purchased our ZTNA without doing a proof of concept. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty simple to do that because you can, as you know, in true Fortinet fashion, we run the same uh, OS, the same firmware on all mm-hmm. of our 40 gates. So you can buy the smallest 40 gate and get experience with what does our uh, ZTNA look like uh, playing with that one. Hmm. So that's that's something. Because if you just wanted to get started here, like if you're listening to this and you're kind of going like, oh, that doesn't make sense. What you're actually saying to me is there's like almost a no cost or low cost way to get started here, like a sub thousand dollars sort of purchase of a small 40 gate firewall. And I get ZTNA and I can go and start playing with it before I scale it up to a, a larger type of thing. I've been talking to some of our SEs and and they hear that, you know, some of our customers, they're getting pressure to deploy ZTNA out uh, as part of uh, their solution to make sure that they're incorporating that. And, you know, with our solution, you can roll out ZTNA to one application and then, and, you know, report up to your boss. Yeah, hey, yeah, we got ZTNA. We're, we're protecting this application with ZTNA uh, because you can do it 
uh, you know, one application at a time. It makes it really easy uh, to roll out. Fortinet ZTNA, you can be running a VPN for most things and then a ZTNA for just those high priority select uh, okay. applications. It really makes it uh, the ability to transition to ZTNA can be very controlled, very easy for the IT organization to uh, make sure that all the, the wrinkles are, are ironed out before they, you know, you don't have to do a mass upgrade at one point. You can just do it one at a time, one application mm -hmm. at a time, or even one set of users for an application at a time. You actually get very granular on how you. So it's uh, not like you normally see, you have to sort of pave over your entire infrastructure and make this huge purchase and run this massive project to get this. This is actually a realistic proposal here that I can just pick a little corner or a new app or a, just pick mm -hmm. out the remote act that, you know, the remote workers or some small part of the company and just start small and scale it up over time uh, and that, while I build confidence. That's exactly what we're seeing. And, you know, Fortinet uh, here, we've been uh, in that transition for, I would say, more than a year now. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, personally, I, I and now am virtually on everything I uh, work on is ZTNA controlled. Uh, but they started off with one email. Say, hey, these three applications are getting ZTNA control. And, and every month they'd send a new email out announcing what new applications were getting that control. Uh, so, that, and if there's ever was an issue, they could always say, okay, we're going to roll back to VPN access for now. And then, and then they'd move forward once they'd sorted out whatever uh, they'd come across. So very easy to do it, you know, do it, uh, you know, in your yeah. quote unquote, yeah. the IT spare time. Uh, as opposed to having to drop everything and reconfigure a whole network mm. and and do a whole uh, tr traumatic changeover. Yeah, well, I, I'm more thinking of companies who've got like 500 to 1,000 users and they've got, you know, it's very difficult to roll that out in a single weekend or in a month or to segment it down to, you know, a whole department or whatever. So, Yeah, well, we're 12,000 folks and, and we just did it on a gradual basis. And, you know, that which makes it really easy. I think it's one of the advantages of our approach is uh, because it's a unified agent, you know, the agent's already there doing the VPN stuff. It makes it very easy to transition over and start doing some things on ZTNA while others continue to go through the old process. Uh, Peter, one of the things you mentioned a little bit earlier was that ZTNA is a, is a feature. It's not a product. There is no Forta ZTNA, but there is Forta SASE, I believe, and ZTNA is a part of the SASE offering. Is that true? Yes, that's absolutely true. Fortisassi is a collection of security features that are provided from the cloud. Uh, we host that and our POPs or points of presence where we're able to provide the secure web gateway, the firewall as a service, uh, the CASB, the DLP, as well as ZTNA. So ZTNA is included with that Fortisassi service. Uh, and that really enables, uh, you know, employees when they're not behind a firewall at an office, uh, whether they're, you know, at home or in the airport, they can get all the same securities uh, and protections they would uh, behind a FortiGate. But now they're going to the cloud and that, that then they're able to have that security when they go off to the Internet, when they're accessing uh, private applications uh, or when they're accessing public applications. I kind of think of SASE, Secure Access Service Edge, as an evolution of SD-WAN, where SD-WAN for a while was like, you know, this new and novel way to get really efficient routing in between uh, sites and do it within a secure overlay. And then SASE added all of these additional features to SD-WAN for security inspection and, uh, you know, cloud access security broker, as you mentioned, and, and other features, including ZTNA. Uh, is, is that, you know, for people that know SD-WAN and want to think of SASE as an evolution of that, is that, that put their minds in the right place? Well, that's absolutely true. Uh, I 
I should have mentioned that as well. Uh, our SD-WAN is fundamentally part of our uh, SASE offering. Uh, and when customers are going through our POP to access their own private networks, we're actually able to connect our POP to their SASE network. So they're able to connect in and leverage all the SASE capabilities they have uh, in having deployed Fortinet's uh, SASE on FortiGates. We can tie into that. And so as they're accessing those privately hosted applications, uh, they are leveraging the SD-WAN capabilities. Okay, when you say Fortinet POP, um, that makes me think that Fortinet has their own uh, cloud that I can connect to, their own transport I can connect to for security services, something like that, as opposed to I build my own mesh out of my own FortiGates, and uh, those are the devices that are doing all the security inspection. There's there's a, a pop that I can on-ramp to your cloud to do some of that. Is that is that how the architecture is? Fundamentally, yes. Um, each one of the locations that we have, you know, we have our uh, group of, of uh, uh, virtual infrastructure there that is building the um, Fortisassi network. So um, we have basically what amounts to a bunch of distributed or maybe a mesh firewall uh, setup where, you know, in each different region, each different location, we have all of these things and any user, no matter where they are, can connect to whichever one is closest. So, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, virtual close location where the uh, Fortisassi is running. So when my client will connect, it gets the best application, you know, kind of performance to the Fortisassi pop. And then from there, we can connect either to, you know, um, uh, public internet, SaaS services, or we can even connect into your existing SD-WAN network to, to access private applications. Okay, so it's getting fuzzy what I'm connecting to, because if I'm doing ZTNA, I need to connect to an application gateway that can proxy me there. Uh, but if I'm connecting directly, not using ZTNA, I would route across uh, the Fortinet cloud, perhaps, to to get there? So this is where, you know, the the close tie-in between SASE and ZTNA comes in. Uh, we've already kind of described what the ZTNA architecture is, is composed of. It's composed of an endpoint uh, to, to get you onto the network. It's composed of an application gateway to get you access to the application itself and a policy control that kind of orchestrates all of that together. For SASE, uh, for Fortis SASE, it is the same exact thing. So we have the same endpoint client, we have a cloud-based EMS, and we have all of the FortiGates, which are comprised in the side fort of inside of Fortisassi as the enforcement points. So the same client that is deciding which, you know, when you're on-prem, which application gateway to go to for ZTNA is the same one that's deciding which Fortisassi pop location to go to for access into there. And underneath the covers, it's just 40 OS in all of those locations. It's just a difference whether, you know, uh, we as Fortinet are managing and running the FortiGates in the FortiSassi setup for you versus on-prem, you're running those yourselves. But it's the same FortiOS with the same policies and the same access. So once you have access to you know, either your on-prem SD-WAN network or your in-the-cloud FortiSassi network, the choice of how to get inside the network is the same. It just connects to whatever's closest, and then you have access both to cloud-based as well as on-prem-based applications. From a management perspective, I as a firewall administrator uh, would be looking at this. What is my view into this? Do I Z see ZTNA as one set of policies I manage and my SASE policies as uh, an additional set of policies to manage? 
it depends on what kind of customer you are. The way we see the world today is as hybrid. People are doing things both in the cloud and on-prem, and they need a solution that manages both. But for customers that are only in the cloud, they can just get Fortisassi in the cloud and not have any on-prem. You know, Fortisassi has its own management that can do complete management of the Fortisassi environment. Likewise, on-prem, the SE-WAN network or ZTNA network that people have already uh, configured can be managed, uh, you know, either individually or via our Forta manager. But as I said, it's a hybrid world, and it's most likely the case that customers are going to be using a little bit of both. Now, the percentage of where that is is different for every customer, but we need to be able to make sure that we can manage both the on-prem as well as in-cloud uh, uh, SASE with the same management. And with Forta Manager, uh, one of our latest announcements is that you know we can do that today with our Forta Manager. Um, when we first came out with Forta SASE, you know, our first stab at this, it was a separate set of management and you know customers who were only in the cloud were fine with that but when they needed to do both they did not want to have to manage two different firewalls so if your sassy vendor is different than your on-prem firewall vendor you're it's like you're managing two different firewalls even if they are from the same vendor if they don't have a tie-in together so it is very important that we're able to manage both for sassy and on-prem with the same management Okay, you actually answered another question that I just had because I was thinking, well, wait a minute, what if I've already got a, a SASE solution of some kind? I could run uh, FortiGate as application gateways as ETNA, get that benefit and not necessarily change over my SASE provider. I could do that, but you're arguing, no, wait a minute, you actually want to jam all these together and we've made that possible. We we have one unified management interface that allows you to manage all this under under one management plane. Sure. And, and, you know, it's pretty obvious. If you ask any customer today, if they have multiple locations, you know, do you want to run a different firewall in every location? The answer is obviously no. Nobody wants to do that. That's ridiculous. Uh, same thing is true in the public cloud. You know, I mean, you know, if they're multi-cloud and they've got stuff, they've got a VPC in AWS, they've got stuff in Azure, they've got stuff in GCP, um, you know, even if they're using the native firewall controls, those are three different things they have to learn in addition to their on-prem one. The desire for most customers, I want to put the same thing in each of those locations so I can make that management easier. So same thing is true of SASE and, you know, ZTNA or SD-WAN. You want those to be the same because otherwise you are really managing two different things. Now, when we first came out with Forta SASE, they were two different things, but the advantage we had was underneath the covers, it was 40 OS. So we have just been on this journey of making sure that we can manage um, Forta SASE with Forta Manager in the same way that customers are used to managing their um, existing firewalls today. And bringing those together really you know, shortens that workflow and, and makes it so you don't make mistakes. The more complicated things are, the more likely a customer is to make a mistake and have some kind of, you know, kind of security breach or security, you know, kind of lapse. Um, so, you know, make it as consistent as possible and have consistent security across every part of my network. I'm going to play devil's advocate, though, here, Alex, because if the primary argument is ease of management, the security folks are going to cope and go, yeah, but what makes the Fortinet SASE solution so special? I've got I'm already invested in this other SASE solution that does all these wonderful things. So, you know, Alex, sell me the Fortinet SASE solution from a security perspective. Sure. And, and I'm going to lean back on a lot of stuff that Peter said earlier about ZTNA because it is 
um, underneath the covers, it is the same for EOS. I can utilize the same kinds of posture checks that I have for ZTNA, um, the same kind of access controls that ZTNA allows me within my SASE network. So um, even though I may have an existing solution that that may be uh, SASE for my let's say my internet and SaaS applications, I would like to have consistent security, meaning the threat intelligence is the same, the, uh, the, the, um, the engines behind them are the same, uh, in order to make sure that what I know is protected on my internal network is protected on my external network. Even more importantly, if I decide to bridge those two networks together, my SASE and my internal network, because I can't say for every other security vendor out there, but for ourselves, you know, what is in the Fortisassi network is FortiOS. It's a, it's a firewall and security under the covers. And when we create the connection between the two, basically we are creating a, you know, multiple uh, tunnels between the Fortisassi network and the customer's internal network. What's on the other side of that tunnel on the customer's internal network is also a firewall. It's not just some, you know, tunnel endpoint that's not doing any security inspection. So we are getting the benefits of security inspection end to end across the whole thing, not necessarily just into the SASE network that may be some other security vendor. So we're providing that visibility all the way across. But, oh, yeah, okay, so for the life cycle of that transaction from client all the way to application and back, I have transaction level knowledge of what is going on across the entirety of the fabric here if i if i'm all in on fortinet correct and and that's generally what customers want especially in a hybrid network if if i am a let's say a pure sassy provider and my my statement to the customer is well push everything to the cloud even your local transactions that are within a branch are going to go out to the cloud and then come back uh, you know, into my network. That's not the optimal experience. Uh, same thing is true on the customer who's only on-prem. If they have some SaaS service and I'm backhauling to uh, only one data center and having to go out through there, again, I'm not getting the optimal experience. You know, taking the, the Fortinet's ability to have SD-WAN optimize your on-prem network and the distributed capability of the Fortisassi uh, for cloud, uh, bringing those together gives you that best of both worlds. So you're not forced in one direction or the other. That's the, and then there's also the services outside of this. Like we've talked about 40 recon and a range of other threat hunting and threat detection tools here that I can still put into this whole process. I can have any level of security. I can have the off-prem in the cloud doing the inspection, or I can actually bring in, you know, all of the other 40 tools that we've talked about in other podcasts over the last year or so as well. It's all the one throat to choke model actually works quite well with you because your fabric, you know, this fabric idea we keep talking about, you've just got one product almost in every category these days. And I think what you're alluding to is the fact that quite often what a lot of people do is they say, oh yes, we've got SD-WAN, but if you just send your traffic off to somebody who's got a CASB, you know, a Z-Scaler or whatever, but Z-Scaler doesn't care about the edge, right? It just sits there and does nothing. It doesn't, it'll take traffic from anybody, but it's got no integration. It's ability to monitor traffic and integrate with your SD-WAN is nearly zero. And that's what and, you want in an SD-WAN, right? And while you talk about, you know, like the fabric and the platform is very true. I mean, obviously we integrate with ourselves very well, but it's not necessarily just us that, 
you know, integrates with us. The platform is open so we can receive, you know, information, threat intel from multiple sources. Uh, one of the, you know, innovations that Peter talked about that we just introduced in getting the um, information in from Fortisim and uh, also from Forti EDR allows the Fortigate, you know, as a security device to make a better decision about whether to allow access or not based on a lot of outside context, not just because let's say this particular FortiGate saw some bad behavior. Maybe, um, you know, our Forti EDR system saw something in the user behavior that said, hey, let's not allow that access. Or even because it can come in through FortiSim and FortiSim can integrate a lot of different um, threat intelligence from even non-Fortinet products, um, get that information into the FortiGate so it can now make a decision based on, oh, well, maybe the um, the uh, badge in system said somebody was, you know, just badged into their office in Virginia, but this access is coming from them out of Singapore. And maybe that should not be allowed. Um, yeah. Maybe, you know, it depends on your, your, your deployment, but that's not information the firewall or any of the, you know, enforcement points has natively by itself. But because we can bring in information from all these other sources, uh, this is what makes you know, the making security decisions, especially in a zero trust world, more important today and much more possible. Well, Alex Samante and Peter Newton, thank you very much for joining us today for this Fortinet discussion about ZTNA and SASE. And uh, uh, Alex, we you guys have lots and lots of published uh, resources, documentation that uh, folks can go and review if they want to learn more. Could you point people in the right direction? Sure. For some just general information, you can go to Fortinet.com slash ZTNA and Fortinet.com slash SASE. Um, but if we're looking for a little bit more technical information, um, uh, how to's, uh, some some uh, implementation guides, you can go to docs.fortinet.com slash ZTNA and docs.fortinet.com slash product slash Fortisassi. Excellent. Fortinet.com slash ZTNA or slash SASE and then docs.fortinet.com and uh, for even more there. And all those links are going to be in the show notes, which you can find at packetpushers.net. And our thanks to Fortinet for sponsoring today's SASE and ZTNA discussion. We hope that you got a better sense of what a few of these newer security acronyms really mean and the benefits that they offer. And if you call up Fortinet to explore their offerings in more detail, make sure to let them know that you heard about them on the Packet Pushers podcast network. You can find this and many more of our fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog, all at packetpushers.net. You can find those resources along with our Slack channel and our newsletter and even more all free for you. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. We're on LinkedIn. You can hear us on Spotify if you like and take a few minutes and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>